mainframe. Yo, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the mainframe podcast. We're your hosts, Dimat and Alwith, and thank you for tuning into season three of this season's podcast, episode two. And first off, happy new year to all of you. Last year was amazing, and thanks to you, we have made a huge leap with our podcast. And we also want to quickly apologize for the minimal episodes released in December. We were both extremely busy in our personal lives, but we were also working on improving our recording setup to bring the best content for you guys. But good news, we are back and scheduled. And with your continued support, I know that we can reach great heights in 2022. With that being said, let's kick off the new year with some big, big news. First off, Apple capped off a stunning rise on Monday when it briefly became the first company to touch a $3 trillion market value before closing the day just short of the mark. The relentless rise of Apple stock speaks to the power of Apple's capital return program. In the past couple of years, Apple has been the biggest repurchaser of its own shares in the S&P 500 by far, and Apple has also spent $85.5 billion to repurchase shares and $14.5 billion on dividends in Apple's fiscal year of 2021, which ended in September. And this is really going to show the fact that Apple is taking their business to new heights, being the first to reach $3 trillion. What do you think about this entire situation, Anwith? I think it's really interesting, right? Because like <clears throat> Apple was the first to also hit the one trillion dollar market cap, like across all companies, right? And <clears throat> soon following, there was um, Amazon, Alphabet, Microsoft, Tesla, and even uh, Meta, which, uh, as we talked about in a previous uh, episode in in season two of the Mainframe podcast, has recently um, uh, hit the one trillion dollar uh, market cap in June of this of 2021. <clears throat> so I think like. Apple has been the first to hit all of these like milestones in terms of market cap, right? It hit 1 million, 2 trillion, and 3 trillion first. And like, I don't know specifically what to attribute to this, right? Like personally, I would think it's like growing, like basically the products are so good that people want it. But recently, I've, as we've been discussing our podcast, it hasn't been, there hasn't been much innovation in their phone space, which drives most of their sales. So I think, what do you, what do you attribute um, the success to, do you want? I think um, it's like the recent trends that Apple has been going towards in regards to actual stock prices, right? Apple started to pay like quarterly dividends and repurchases repurchased its shares in March 2012. And since that period of time and, and throughout all of last summer, Apple's actually spent over $467 billion on just buying back their stocks, which really calls for iPhone, uh, the iPhone maker to be the poster child for share buybacks. And actually, like, in fact, I'm looking at my stat sheet right here. Since August 2018, when Apple first hit a $1 trillion value, its stock is up from is up 252% compared to a market cap rise increase of about only 200%. And this disparity is a direct result of its buyback program, which has re- reduced the company's share count from 19.4 billion to, at the end of June 2018, to 16.4 billion currently. And I think this is really interesting because investors are starting to begin to see Apple as a flight to safety or quality trade thanks to the combination of its large cash flow and willingness to return that money back to investors. And I overall think like this is also a way for Apple just to get more capital in order to help spur spearhead their R&D development. Because as we said, over the past couple of years, the R&D development hasn't been as great as it was since, like, let's say back in 2010. And now with them buying back their own shares, using that extra money and selling it back to consumers and increasing their stock price um, almost threefold by using that method, I think they're really going to see 
an increase in R&D going into the future. I think you actually bring up a really good point about Apple's willingness to give money, like basically have a good like return on investment and for investors, right? Because like as we've seen in the past couple of years, right, Apple has consistently been on an upward trend in terms of their market cap, their stock prices, pretty much everything, right? They haven't seen a down yet, and I think that's like that's what draws so many people to like invest in Apple to keep their um keep their loyalty to Apple and keep like buying their stocks, buying their um. Getting in more investors and stuff. I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up, right? And also think like, what do you think makes Apple different from the other companies in terms of like getting to the market cap the first, right? Like, why isn't like if you think about it, like Google, its sheer size is way bigger than Apple. Same with Facebook. So like, like this including like employee numbers and all that, and like and just the services they offer as well. So like, what do you think makes Apple so much different than them? That allows them to like get to these heights so quickly. Man, it's it's a it's a variety of different、um, factors, but I think like one of the main factors, I guess, the number one thing I I would personally attribute it to is Apple's prodigious cash flow being one of the biggest reason why. Because investors believe that Apple can continue to spend significant amounts on share buybacks while still increasing its headcount. Because Keep in mind, like Apple reported like an industry-leading 104 billion dollars in cash flow in just 2021 alone, and that for just for like comparison for our listeners, Microsoft, the tech giants Microsoft and Alphabet had about 77 billion, 65 billion in cash flow, like respectively. And I feel like Apple's ability to generate free cash flow could also allow the company to continue in its capital return program when it becomes net cash neutral, which um. Apple CEO Tim Cook actually said that he is looking towards doing like bringing Apple's total cash with equals to its total debt. Because we also have to remember, right? Just because they're beating this market cap is not necessarily accounting for all the debt that they have incurred and that they still have to pay back. Because, like, keep in mind, like in December 2017, like along new tax law, like that allowed them to move most of its cash pile from overseas. Apple said that it planned to no longer maintain its huge cash pile. Cash pile and plan to return to investors over time. And the reason they're going to this like overtime method instead of just dumping all the cash back on investors, so they they can slowly pay off the debt. I think like their entire cash flow business model is what's allowing them to、um, spur lock their exponential growth in terms of、um, market share and market cap value. Yeah, I think that's a really that's a really intricate analysis of all this. Stuff. That totally makes sense too, right? Like if you if you think about it, like what you said totally makes sense. I also want to talk about how Apple is still able to. Actually, just give me a quick second. All right. So basically, I want to talk about how Apple is also contending with the antitrust issues, especially with um in August of 2020,、uh, Fortnite maker Epic Games filed a lawsuit claiming that it violates antitrust laws, since as you know,、um, as we've already spoke about it before. Apple grants a 30% fee on each purchase in the Apple App Store. So I think, like, even though they're like contending with that, they're still able to like keep their stock price on upward trend and all that, all the subsequent like ups that they've been facing, right? And also, I want to talk about them paying a three trillion dollar market cap. Do you think they're going to be facing any more antitrust issues? I can、oh. see a lot of meat for like other people to like like latch onto and basically suck the life out of Apple at this point.、Mm-hmm. I see a lot of opportunity for people. It's funny you bring that. You kind of read that straight out of my mind. Because the next point I want to bring up is like, Apple is like in this their own hemisphere, right? We talk about the tech industry. You could say, oh, 
there's still competitors in the market, right? We still have Samsung, we still have Huawei, and then there's Apple. So the thing, the thing that goes over most people's heads when they try to defend Apple in this circumstance is the fact that Apple's an industry leader. Whatever Apple does, everyone else follows, not the other way around. Like Samsung could release a new, a new phone, I guess, a new product with new features, and Apple will not necessarily copy it or follow it until they see it's proven. But let's say on the other hand, Apple does it, like for example, removing the charging brick from their phone cases. Then the rest of the industry is like, oh, okay, we can do this now. And therefore everyone else leads and follow out, follows Apple's examples. And the fact that other companies are waiting on Apple to make the move. And then once Apple makes the move, they follow along is what's allowed Apple to um, stay ahead of the market cap situation. Similar to how other companies such as Twitter have been doing that recently, as we will get into later in the podcast. Yeah, I think actually that's really interesting, right? Because if you think about it, them being the industry leader kind of puts them in like a monopoly situation, right? If you think about back to like the barons of the industry, right? So when they they used to set the trend for the entire industry, they were there were monopolies essentially, right? But there are little companies here and there trying to undercut prices, just latch on a little bit of that market share if they can. So it kind of feels like the same thing happening here, right? Like Apple has such a big market share on like software and all that compared to other companies, at least like in the US, right? Outside of the US, Android has a much bigger market share. But here, like I think there's a lot of antitrust like laws that it would violate, but they can like circumvent those laws due to like the vagueness of those laws and like when they were when they were initially like policy made. So like if back then there was not like the tech giants, they could like basically like split up into little sub companies as well, right? Think like uh, Apple, Beats, uh, Alphabet, Google, uh, Google ser- Cloud Services, all that. They split it onto multiple services, not just one, like oil or railroads or whatever. So it's much harder for those like laws to take effect. So I think like they need serious revamping, and I think a lot of people are gonna push towards the new like more policy making in terms of antitrust laws. And I can definitely see Apple being like split up into multiple companies by the government as a violation of antitrust laws in the future. Yeah, but the issue I see with like people pushing for the breaking up of Apple is that if you break up Apple, how do, how does technology progress, right? If you break up Apple, the, their innovation, their R&D, although we, we claim that their R&D really hasn't been doing much recently, right? Just look to their new MacBook. Their new MacBooks are a result of their like um, bleeding edge technology, bleeding edge research and development. I mean, by breaking up Apple, you really are actually in a way eliminating competition because now all these other companies don't see an alpha dog that, oh, we have to go beat that alpha dog in order to buy. And the way we do that is through our own innovation. That's that's my take on that issue. I feel like it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because it, like one way, your way of thinking like, like makes sense, but you could also see it in the way that like, say that Apple, the big dog is gone, right? Now there's all these little fish fending for their own, like grabbing that market share. They need to get the innovation to get that market share that Apple left behind, right? You could also see in that sense, they could be trying to like go for that market share and therefore innovating, pouring money into R&D because they know a payoff later when they latch onto that market share whenever the consumers like, like whatever they made. So I feel like it could be argued in both ways, but I think antitrust, like, that's like the way that I see like people going, right? Even if it's not like now, like people start to understand that like Apple is essentially a monopoly in the business. For example, the App Store, like as we saw with uh, Epic Games, they they won the lawsuit, right? 
they won it. And then now we're we're looking at it. We're looking at the we're gonna see the repercussions soon. We're gonna see Apple like uh, not instituting that thirty percent anymore. I think they cut it down to a little bit. Um, if the company makes more than a million dollars a year, something like that. I'm not sure about it, but I'm pretty sure we talked about it in a previous podcast. So I think like we're seeing the effects already taking place. We just need to wait until they fully like d- disseminate into the into the rest of Apple services. The action hasn't been taken place oh, yet. I, Apple's, I, I, uh, I see. I see what you're saying, right? But the the like real world implications, like the examples that you're giving, or the examples that are being um, that are working currently in the real world, are taking small sectors of Apple and not necessarily bring, breaking it up but um decreasing their own power the power that they hold over other consumers right because right now there's companies that rely on apple services and that's what people are claiming is being monopolistic and that's what they're targeting but what i'm trying to say is like if you break up the apple as a company itself the the other like companies that don't necessarily rely on apple now no longer have to innovate at such a high level to keep up with apple which is um the case i'm trying to make well, I, I definitely see that way as well, right? Because if you say, like, say those companies are depending on Apple, right? And Apple is split into the different companies, that service would still be offered. And I would argue that if Apple was to stop giving out that service, they would actually spur innovation, right? Because they have to make up for that lost service. If like recent development their own um, their own solution, or at least another company has to provide a similar solution of the same, like the same grandeur. So like, I feel like it would end up spurring competition either way, but I definitely see like your um, school of thought as well. I see like how you you would say that um, it would not spur competition as well. Because they'd be like, okay, Apple is gone. Like, I guess we should discontinue the service or whatever. But like, these can be argued in a lot of ways, but I'm just like saying, in terms of how I see the market moving, that I see a lot of like these legislators turning on these big, on big business, big corporate, mega corporations and splitting them up eventually, right? Maybe it's not now, maybe like it's when the the times adapt, the laws adapt, but like I definitely see it happening in the future is what I'm saying. Maybe not now, maybe later. You know, speaking of like breaking up companies, a company that is ne- not necessarily doing that, but actually doing quite the opposite. Twitter recently completed a sale of Mopub to AppLovin for $1.05 billion, selling off one sector of their company. And um, just, for more clarification, Mopub, um, Twitter announced today that it's completed sale of the mobile ad platform Mopub to the mobile game maker and marketing software provider App um, App Lovin. And this deal was first announced in October 2021, following Twitter's reveal of its plan to double its revenue by 2023 to reach 7.5 billion or more. And while Mopub has helped Twitter generate approximately 188 million dollars in annual revenue in 2020. Twitter now sees a more potential sees more potential in developing other areas of, of its business amid its accelerated product development. Specifically, the company has said it's now redirecting its resources for its performance-based ads um, in order to increase their commerce sector, which I find really interesting because these companies are getting bigger and bigger, and now they're starting to see like before like you'd see like Twitter, they make all their money off of ad revenue and and Mopub is an ad revenue um, situation, right? They make all their money through targeting ads. Yeah, um, Twitter is seeing like, oh, we don't need this company anymore. We can make this in-house. And I feel like that, to your point, 
is um in a as, as a result sorry for stuttering is a result of twitter becoming so big where they can actually manage to do all these things in-house what do you think about major corporations selling off smaller corporations that they are, had originally designed or originally bought in order to use their services buying them copying their services seeing that they can do them themselves and then selling the company back you know i think that's really funny emails like you essentially just described what Apple did with Beats, right? I'm sorry for bringing this back to Apple, but as you know, when we talk about big business, big corporations, it always comes back to Apple. It's always about Apple. So here we are back again talking about Apple. So basically what Apple did with Beats, right? So they bought Beats back in the early 2000s or late, I think the early 2000s, right? So basically what they did is take all the research and development um, they had that Beats already was, because they were like a pretty established music, uh, like. Um, headphones like manufacturer, right? They took the research development and guess what they made? They made the AirPods, the EarPods, uh, AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, all the new generations. They're using that. That's like the baby which all these grew from. So I, just the difference between Twitter and Apple is that Apple hasn't sold Beats yet. It's just a, it's a matter of time before Apple shuts down Beats. Like, it makes basically zero of their revenue comparatively. You know what's... So like... I, yeah, go ahead. You know what's kind of funny is that the reason why one of the reasons why um twitter decided that they can do their own things in-house and decided to sell mopub is because the sale of mopub also came at a time when the mobile ad industry has actually been upset by changes implemented by apple itself in its latest version of the ios mobile operating system because with apple's new privacy focused tools more consumers can now just opt out of being tracked by apps such as twitter and and other advertisers making a business like mopub much less interesting for twitter so, and on the other hand, like Apple Oven sees the opportunity in leveraging Mopub's demand and supply side tools into its larger app mediation platform, right? But that's a whole different story. But it's actually kind of funny, like you said, everything relates back to Apple because one of the key reasons why Twitter doesn't see a use in Mopub anymore is because they can just get everything they want from, from in-house themselves because Apple is now basically delegitimizing some of these ad-based platforms. Yeah, I think that's actually like pretty like that's, that's i feel like that would kind of that's kind of a monopolistic practice as well right they're kind of monopolizing like i know we already talked about this before just like touching back on the point that's kind of a monopolistic practice for apple in terms of their app store right because they're basically like controlling what like the but entire no, like no i think features. you got it wrong because this thing isn't necessarily about the app store it's more of a privacy concern issue because with their new ios software they implemented saying like I don't know if you updated your iPhone recently. I did. Now, every time I go into some app, it asks if I want them to track um, across different apps, my usage and my personalization so that they can make more targeted ads. And when consumers then opt out of that and don't want to be tracked, it makes companies such as um, it makes companies such as the one we're talking about much less attractive for companies such as Twitter to keep in-house when they can just sell them off and do all that R&D themselves and and create their own ad targeting services um, by themselves. Actually, I think it's really cool how Apple is able to like block the tracking, right? Because if you think about it, like it's like built for some apps, it's like the tracking is built into the source code. Like for example, like Facebook, right? Their entire like algorithm is driven based on like ads and how like people interact with each and every single ad right it's like that's kind of interesting how they were able to circumvent that and like that's just like a kind of a key key thing that i wanted to talk about but <laughs> also like going back to the back to the twitter thing right it's like what i thought was interesting is how why app loving 
Like that's a, that's a weird name for a, a marketing <laughs> yeah. software it, provider. It reminds me of McDonald's McLovin. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I thought that was kind of a weird. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Any, anyway, past the <laughs> name. I was, <laughs> I was kind of confused there. on. Like even though like Apple has like this circumventing for um tracking, why would McLo uh say McLovin? <laughs> 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 I mean Apple. Why would they want? Like they bought it for one point oh five billion dollars. That's a lot of money. Even like, even like with the premium that Twitter like put put on this, right? Like that's a lot of money. Why would like Pavlovin want this this like platform if like well, if it's being deprecated by Apple? Like like I said earlier, like Pavlovin sees an opportunity in leveraging Mopub's like like the want from Mopub in order to integrate into their larger app platform called Max. And then they, from there, they can migrate publishers and demand partners to a unified platform where they're growing its business. Because um, Applove is big, like media-based company looking for advertising, right? So they said by implementing um, MoPub software into their Applove system, the company expects that it can process more than fifteen billion dollars worth of annualized advertiser spending by twenty twenty-three, excess of what they already do. So they see a, a use in that software to where Twitter really doesn't see a use. Oh, that makes sense. Like Twitter basically already leashed off the recent development. They already have their own platform. So they really have no use for it anymore. And that's another trend set by Apple, right? Like with their beats and stuff and with them setting the whole app store policy thing. Yeah. I think also for like, Mo- yeah. So for MoPub software, it was used by 45,000 mobile apps manage their monetization and reach 1.5 billion addressable users so i feel like wouldn't that number 45,000 mobile apps using wouldn't that go down like exponentially after this implementation of the circumvention of, of, of the of, of the course. apple ad thing it would go down but they're not necessarily looking for their user base right they're looking for um the actual software itself because all those user base like if we're talking about it like Twitter is only one of them, right? That uses it, but the other like forty-five thousand, they're still going to use the services. That's just going to be under the another name of Applovin. It's not going to just the only thing that's differing is that the name changed, and I guess maybe the company practices or how the company wants to improve on the app, not necessarily like actual like features with differences in advertising tracking and all all sorts of things as such. Right. That brings that actually segues to like my next kind of point on um about this, right? So. So Apple's implemented this anti-tracking feature, right? So like, how do you think this like the market division is gonna be for between Google Play Store and the Apple App Store, right? Do you think like more companies are gonna be incentivized to put their app on the Google Play Store first uh, compared to the Apple App Store? Do you think they're just gonna keep going for the Apple App Store compared because they have like a so much better profit, so much more use, so much better user base? You know, I find that interesting that you bring that up. Because I personally see that within the next like two or three months, Google is going to do the same thing. I think I think like it's a whole market pressure sort of thing, right? If legislators like were able to,、um, I guess in a way, pressure Apple into bettering their privacy, their privacy、uh, terms and conditions, I feel like Google would do the same thing. So at that point, it's just pick your poison, right? If you're looking for an international audience, you you publish on the Play Store first. If you're looking for a more domestic, a domestic being America. Or just like overall Apple ba- Apple user base, you publish on the App Store. That's my take on it. Yeah, I think that that makes sense, right? But like, if you think about it, like Google's like entire like 
everything is being driven by like ads and stuff, right? Think about Google, their search engine, Google AdMob. That like basically the entire thing is like built on ads and ad-driven money. So I feel like be like them like turning on their basically their whole like their whole mission, core values, kind of like counterintuitive. Because like, if they like remove it from the Google Play Store, that's basically them like shooting themselves in the foot, right? Because that drives down revenue on Google AdMob and Google AdSense, where they get a lot of money from putting like people putting ads in their apps. All right, so, so like- let's let's take this scenario though, right? Let's say let's assume that they keep their policies the same. At that point, it's you're still in the same scenario, right? Like it really depends on the app that you're releasing. If you're releasing a social media app or sort of thing or something that's based off of ad-based revenue, you're going to be incentivized to, regardless to put it on the Google Play Store because inherently you're going to get more users because there's no option to opt out. Because I know a lot of people, like me personally, I don't really mind the personalized ads because I actually think it's kind of useful to be honest like if I'm looking at something if I get an ad based off it then I can research into their product right so me personally I accepted the terms and conditions but there's going to be a lot of people that don't and the the issue with that for ad-based revenue companies is that they can't make targeted ads without targeted ads that leads to less consumer turnover people actually clicking on the advertisement and then therefore buying the product themselves so I do think that companies are going to um, push more towards publishing in the school place. Yeah, okay, that's that's what I thought as well, right? But if you like for example like Apple, they they've been known to like turn over like on certain like policies that they've introduced, right? So do you ever think there's gonna be like a scenario where they like go back and say like, okay, we're gonna allow ads, right? I this I would say that's highly unlikely. I doubt it because like that's like like that's violating and like the, the whole like shtick about Apple is about privacy. Like most of their ads are about like, okay, iPhone is pri- is like hyper privacy focused. And even like, okay, I, this is kind of like a like not a, like a melancholy topic to talk about. Like back, I think a couple of years back, there was like an iPhone like used by a terrorist, and Apple wouldn't even use a backdoor to open that because they yeah, used like if they did it, their entire their entire um like core principle value is going to be like compromised and they, they that's like one thing that they don't want to do right privacy is like the one thing that they pride themselves on so i feel like apple would like this is like the thing that they live for, right privacy so i feel like they would never turn on that that doesn't make sense you know speaking of turning right tesla has a lot of cars that have turned back into the united states because recently a couple of days ago tesla has actually called to recall 475,000 cars into the US. And the reason why is because of potential rear view camera issues affecting 2017 to 2020 Tesla Model 3s. And I find this really interesting because with a bunch of competitors coming out now, just like the new Mercedes electric vehicle claiming 620 miles of range, when is Tesla finally going to get their thing, get get their act together and make actual make their cars like meet a certain um quality control management to where they don't have to keep recalling cars in order to fix these issues because their market share is going to dwindle soon if they don't figure out how to make their cars in better quality because right now the biggest lead that they have over over their other competitors is their supercharging network right we all know you can just go anywhere put on your computer go to a supercharger charge your car in 20 minutes and go but the problem is with even if the supercharger network is expanding it's not expanding as 
the same rate as some of these other companies are going to create their own supercharging network. Because right now, all these other companies are vying for market share. They're going to accelerate, put full force and full-fledged into the Electrify America grid, let's say, for example. And without, without, with Tesla's market share in that dwindling slowly over time, do you, how long do you think it's going to take for Tesla to fix their quality control issues to keep and retain more customers? Honestly, I have nowhere close to an estimate when Tesla was going to do it. Like, think back to the beginning of Tesla. They've, their major problem has always been quality control, whether it be panel gaps in the car, their um, self-driving not working, their uh, paint chipping off very easily, their cheap use of materials. <laughs> like, they've had like so many problems that it's basically uncountable at this point. And I personally don't have an estimate, right? And like, I think you mentioned that they they have a lot of recalls on like the rear view camera thing, right? I don't even know, like, see, like, it's a chip problem, right? How are they going to fix it with this chip shortage? They're going to be like, they're going to have their car, whoever's consumer's car is, like, for, like, like months it's, at a time to, like, get, to get it fixed, right? So, like, for right, example, like, it's a software issue where they can just, like, send an update over the Wi-Fi, like... If it was a software issue, they would have just sent an over-the-air yeah. update, which means it has to be something with the hardware. And, like, my family, they we've just bought a car recently. And the thing is, like one of the features that we wanted was a heads-up display, right? Which is like actually like which is driven by hardware, like a like a chip. And we couldn't get it because um because of the chip shortage. And basically no cars are like available anymore. Like if you try to order a Tesla right now, you'll get it sometime in June or July or maybe even August, depending on how bad this chip shortage is gonna like spiral down into. Yeah. So like even with all this like even with their recalling like how like when the question is not when they'll fix like their whole supply chain issue when will they actually give the cars back to the consumer that's my main yeah. question right that is true it's like i don't see it happening anytime soon yeah that is true i don't know we're gonna have to see but this is crazy you know all these big companies getting bigger and bigger and bigger like i honestly think we need to start to see some legislation change to help like get slow down the the rate at which these companies are taking over market share because tesla i mean not sorry not tesla apple reaching such a big margin um then you go see twitter like buying companies taking whatever they need not seeing use and just selling them back for like a low like profit margin like i just don't see how it's viable to keep these companies keep like enduring monopolistic practices like we have to have some change in the industry i 100 percent agree with you especially like this this like shift in industry has been long awaited right like you the business has been growing and growing for like the past ever since the um the bubble back in 2008 right like it's been growing and growing like we haven't seen like a like a dwindle like a major dwindle anytime soon and i think like we're gonna need some major legislation changes to basically regulate this new era of big businesses and I, i'm i'm definitely looking forward to see what policies are going to be implemented in order to uh, combat yeah, this issue. and that's for all you guys guys all right guys that's it for this week's episode of the mainframe podcast thank you for listening and be sure to tune in for new episodes every friday take care and peace here but if you are 18 go register to vote it's very important that. to play a big part in the american democracy you are now leaving the mainframe